Welcome, esteemed listener, to the Video Game Hall of Fame episode... Is this seven? Episode seven. Thank you very much for joining us, as always. And thank you to us for being here. We are your esteemed Hall of Fame podcast hosts. My name is Alex, and I am joined by the full gamut of Hall of Famers. I have Mr. Rob Kirkup, Mr. Simon Pike, and Mr. Stephen Andrews. Good evening to you all, gentlemen. How are we? Good, buddy. How are you doing? I uh, I'm I'm well. I am well. I am I am riding high after a finally got the win I so desperately deserve. I am the current people's champion, the best one on the pod. Uh, life can't be better. And it's all thanks to, well, you'll find out in a minute, dear listener. How's everybody else wallowing in defeat? I'm good, I'm good. I, I, I listened to the, uh, to the previous podcast. Oh, you I, did? Yes, of course. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I do have some feedback. Oh, <laughs> lay it on us. Uh, Rob, I think, I think you took it very graciously. I really do. Took what? The, the fact that uh, Shenmue got in ahead of Final Fantasy VII. I think you've, you've been very mature, you've been very grown up about it. It was, it was very grown up, wasn't it? I very much enjoyed his um, family fortunes yes. analogy. <laughs> yes, that was I good. laughed back in the edit as well. My wife chortled heartily at that one as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, Steve. Like, yes, darling. Were you calling the NES the NHS on purpose? Yeah, you kept saying NHS, and I didn't know what Ooh. to do about that. I can't change that. In the, <laughs> I can't fix that in the edit. I, I think there might genuinely be something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't claim there was any overarching um, joke associated with that, other than my withering mind. <laughs> but the NHS it shall be from now on. That's my thing. And Alex, thank you for uh, for regaling my words on on the uh, the fourth place game. Oh, thank you for the words; they were very well written. Um, unfortunately, you just didn't you didn't pick a Nintendo Entertainment System game, so <laughs> no, I did not. Nintendo Health System. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo Health Service is actually something they kind of almost did, or did they do? The Wii had the... Did they ever actually bring out the thing where it was going to measure your pulse? I think it may have stayed in Japan, but there was going to be like you put your finger in it while you're playing and it measures like your heart rate while you're playing the game. Maybe it never came out anywhere. I remember seeing seeing it at E3 or something, but yeah, I don't... Yeah, it was during that period where they completely lost their minds. And we're just making any old tap. There's somebody selling it on eBay. Hang on. Really? New Nintendo that. Wii Fit Pulse Pack Heart Rate Monitor Remote Wi-Fi. <laughs> Don't know anything about it. I just know somebody's vlogging it. Oh, hang on. It's not an official Nintendo product. Somebody must oh. have realised that Nintendo... No, it doesn't. No. Don't know. Why would anybody want that? Third party. But then one. I said that about Ring Fit, so and I kind of do want that. On the Switch. Anybody here played Ring Fit? I haven't. It looks alright though. No. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Sounds kinky. I've got Wii Fit with the balance board. Still got that, have you? I've got the balance. I've got two balance boards <laughs> in the loft. I've got the balance board, but no balance. <laughs> just plug it into my NHS console. That might help it. That's what yeah, it was called, yeah. wasn't it? The balance board. Or did I just make that up? Yeah. Yeah. No, this you was right. um, 
He would use it for the uh, the heading thing, where you just like jiggle side to side to head a ball for some sort of workout. Give you really tight abs, I imagine, if you did that every day of your life. Imagine if there was somebody who's just been like, that we don't know about. There's somebody really high up in some sort of athletic profession who's just been using Wii Fit to get to top condition all this time. They are all of their success to Wii Fit. Alan Sam Maximan, all he did was just head those <laughs> balls on Wii Fit. Just like that, left and right, left and right. Considering his injury problems, yeah. that's probably what, what happens, to be fair. So screwed, yeah. Maybe that's Eddie Howe's big secret. He's got all the Newcastle players doing nothing but Wii Fit. Yeah, it's working. Really working. Mm. Clearly, 6-1. Yep, get that out of the way. Might as well. I, don't, I didn't even need, I brought that up as well. I, did, I didn't need to stumble my way into having that brought up, but I did. And there we go. Might come up a few times, to be fair. You're very gracious in defeat, just as I was last week. Ah, oh, well, I'm past. Yeah, I'm too. I'm too dead inside to to be angry. Although I'm not dead inside about the video game Hall of Fame, because it now has an inductee that was nominated by me after only six episodes. Once again, we owe a big thank you to everybody out there who voted in our poll for. 8-bit game and we had in fourth place was simon's wonder boy 3 the dragon's trap with six percent of the votes i actually don't know what six percent of 52 is but i don't think that's one so i don't think it was just you voting for it about three did you get your friends uh i asked my wife and sister to vote but i don't know what they voted for maybe it was them too so maybe it was three (laughs) yeah my wife just sounded from the other room that she voted for mine. <laughs> yeah, six percent. Six percent of fifty-two is three. Yeah. So, to, to be fair, me and my sister used to play Wonder Boy when when uh, back in the day. So, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. As, as I said, I think when I tweeted about it, it's a very, very pretty game. Arguably, the best-looking game of all four of them. If it was going in on graphics, you probably would have won that. Yeah. I mean, Mario 3 does look great, but it's not quite as colourful as Wonder Boy. The Master System had a little bit more juice behind it, though, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But yes, alas, that came in fourth place. And then everything else, it was actually really tight. And oh, another weird thing is that we didn't get that many votes on the poll this time around. Like last time, we had hundreds because the Shenmue fans absolutely battered it. This time, everybody seems to have been really cool on voting for these games. So it's very unpredictable. But if you are listening right now, after we've talked about all these games today, do go to VG underscore HOF on Twitter and vote on the poll. Get your voice heard. Get your favourite game, as long as we nominate your favourite game, I guess, into the Hall of Fame. Unlike Bomberman, which was Steve's pick, and that came in third with 25%. But that's a pretty good third. That's got to be one of the stronger thirds we've had, yeah. I would say. And especially considering what it's up against as well. I thought that was a pretty good showing. I was quite pleased with that. Yeah. I actually heard, I can't remember where I heard, but I heard about it like today or the day or yesterday that the NES version of Bomberman doesn't actually have local multiplayer on it. It's entirely a single-player game. God, I misremembered that. Maybe that's why. Seems crazy. Yeah. In second place, we had Rob's Choice, narrowly coming second with 31% of the votes, and that was Pokemon Blue and Red, which uh, probably troubled the winner of Mario 3 on 38%, about as much as we expected, I would have thought. Maybe you expect it to completely trouble it by winning, but... That's that's a very close second as well there. 
Normally we just have a runaway winner, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I did reach out to the Pokemon. I tagged as many Pokemon mm. people on Twitter as I could find, and not one of you them did. helped. Um, yeah. A less scrupulous person would have created, I don't know, maybe five fake Twitter accounts and one. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. But you are scrupled. Mm, so, indeed. Lucky us. Do we normally do it that the winner goes first or winner last? Winner goes first. Winner goes first. All right. Well, congratulations yeah. then to Super Mario Bros. 3. Here's that fanfare that I always put in. And I guess it's my turn because this episode we are nominating driving games. Now, before we get started, to avoid any confusion that basically I have caused myself by being really weird and pedantic about definitions of what driving games is, as I said right at the beginning of this podcast, in the very first episode, and probably in many episodes after, it is not strictly a dictionary definition genre that we go by every time. It is merely a a way for us to frame and categorise what we're going to nominate, just so that we get the nominations to be relatively similar. Because if we had a bunch of randomly different games, it would be impossible to pick a winner from or it would be a really weird poll that doesn't really reflect and and probably knocks out games from uh, contention for the hall of fame before they should really have even been in it so for driving games we're basically just sort of saying anything that is primarily you driving in a car it will be in a race probably but it doesn't have to be can be simulation it can be arcade but it does not include what i would call a racer which are games that are more party-based things like your Mario Karts, your F-Zeros, your Wipeouts, your Snowboard Kids, your Sonic R, things like that. Those will not be subject to nomination for now, but hopefully if we ever do a racer category, they will be, because I'd like a kart game to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. But I don't want it to go up against like Gran Turismo or something. So there we go. Going first means I get mine without any competition from anybody else. I don't think anyone's going to come anywhere close to it, but if um, I will briefly say what my, nomina- my backup nomination is. My backup nomination that I would have picked if somebody else picked my main one would be Forza Horizon 4, which is, I think, for me, is, is objectively like the best driving game I've ever played. Um, my my actual nomination is something that I hold closer to my heart because I just it fills me with more joy and smiles. But Forza Horizon 4 is just like the ultimate racing game for me. It's got levels of sim, like nerdiness if you want it. It's got tons of customization. It's got loads of fun, crazy arcade stuff, loads of set pieces. And it's set in the UK. You can drive to Edinburgh and have a look at the Edinburgh Castle. And it's fantastic. But it's not going to be my nomination. Would anybody have picked Forza Horizon 4? Or it was in with Forza? a shout, definitely, for smashing um, farmers' walls to pieces. Yeah, bloody brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. I, I hardly respect that game um what a fantastic intro as well where you kind of race through the seasons mm. oh yeah i forgot about that that's awesome i played that demo at um might have been gamescom i can't remember where i played it now but i played it somewhere and that was just like the demo that they showed and i remember walking away from it thinking that was mind-blowing it doesn't actually happen like that in the game well it's you do much. it's a playable intro but yeah once you start the game yeah. proper, you don't you don't jump yeah. from season to season but, but it was super cool I was having a chat with a guy at work about it today, my friend Kieran, and he was saying he prefers Forza Motorsport. No, actually, he said he prefer. He said Gran Turismo is like the ultimate driving game, and I asked him, "That may be true, but can you put like waifus and Batman logos all over your car?" And he said no. So I said, "Well, Forza Horizon wins then, because 
you can download people's shitty customization and stick it all over. I've had so many weird ones on there. I love them. I love just like downloading what some idiots made. Back in the Under Forza the- Motorsport four days, I believe. I made a the world no, I made two the world ends with you decals. Oh, bloody lovely! Spent ages and then um, yeah, they were cool. They were good. No, I didn't. I made a the world ends with you one and a this guy one. <laughs> nice. I mean that that probably went down really well because they seem to be everywhere. Like there's so many anime ones on there. That I don't even understand what they are. It's just because they both have like a, a really kind of large black outliney style, so they they are easy to make. True, but true. It was super cool. I love Forza. I I do prefer Forza Motorsport to Horizon. Do you? I kind of a lot of the time you give me an open world and I'll I'll kind of I need aiming. I'll get aimless and I'll stop playing. <laughs> I see. When you said you need aiming, I thought you were talking about the racing lines. I was going to say, yeah, I need them as well, but I don't know. It's probably sacrilege to play it like that. But as I said, that is not. My nomination. My nomination is a game, as I said, that fills me with warm and fuzzy feelings inside. It just makes me smile like a big twat. I will play it in the arcades. I will play it on consoles. I will play it on modern consoles. It's 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 a it's an update of a game that I think is absolutely dreadful. But it this is like the perfect version that that I think has made me probably play the original more times than I should have done, thinking it was going to be anywhere near it, but it isn't. There are many versions of this particular game that I am talking about, so vote for it if you like any of this or any of the subsequent updates that came along afterwards. There's one on Xbox Live, there's one on PlayStation 2 from 2006, but for simplicity's sake, I will say that my nomination for the Video Game Hall of Fame in the driving category is Outrun 2, because you get some dame in the passenger seat of a Ferrari, you put your arm around her, you drift around a corner for about 20 minutes straight. And you have a bloody brilliant time. I absolutely love Outrun 2. As I said, there are probably better games out there. I think if I actually, when I looked at the reception of it on the Wikipedia page, other than Edge, who are usually incredibly like stringent and stingy with their high review scores, they seem to absolutely love this game. I think I actually played Outrun. I think the first version of Outrun 2 that I played was probably the one on Xbox 360, with the, which had more of the online features. Um, but I own like 2006 Coast to Coast and the and the Outrun 2 on the Xbox. But I remember seeing it. They did like some like t- um, in about 2014. They did like the top 100 games to play today. I think I still have that magazine somewhere. And there was only two racing games in it. And one of them was like I think Trials, and then the other one was Outrun 2. So I remember thinking I really need to try this out because I really like arcade races, and I really like Outrun 2. I love like I say I love smashing round corners the drifting on there is like it's key hook that you can just once you nail it and especially if you've got chicanes coming up and you can sort of switch from drift to drift at different directions the speed that you can get picking your different routes of which if you want to go harder you go to the left if you want to go easier you go to the right or it might be the other way around it's the other way around picking your favorite ferrari some classic cars in there from 80s and 90s it's um yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's not like the deepest game. It's not going to last you the longest amount of time. It doesn't really have much of a single player until the 2006 version, really. Um, there are missions in it, but they're, they're more things like drift in the blue zone without making a mistake or knock all the cones over and stuff where you get hearts that impress your girlfriend. And that's the point that you're trying to, to get to to complete the mission. 
But it's um, for a short, sharp burst of arcade racing, which is where I really like to go when I'm getting in a virtual car. Outrun 2 is the one for me. And I will now field questions. Well, there's not really much to say about it because it's, you know, it's just a feeling rather than a, you know, a proper game. It's a, just a feel of how nice it feels to be in that car. So this is on the original Xbox. This is where it dates. That's what I would probably be referring to. Yeah, that, that's the version of Outrun 2 that I guess is the most notable one. Because they're expensive now, aren't, aren't they, those Xbox Outrun games? Um, I'm not sure. 2006 might be more expensive. Outrun 2 I've picked up quite recently and it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I get what you mean about the... Um, it just... it just uh, You're just living a dream while you're playing it. Yeah. Palm trees, Ferraris, hot babes. Sun, beaches, the soundtrack as well. Every single sa- song on the soundtrack is a bop. Just great. Like, it's just, it's just a mood. I think I could have guessed all night and I never would have... Never would have taken that oh, pick really? from you. Yeah, absolutely. Completely shocked me with that one. I was expecting it to be way more modern. I thought Forza actually okay. would be your one, but yeah, no, that's um, yeah, that's a really surprising shout. To be honest, I haven't played it that much. To be fair, it's it's um, no, uh, it's still done in the same two D style as the the original, isn't it? No, it's three D. Is it right? Okay, that's how yeah. little I know. Um, yeah, no, I was never that much of a fan of the original Outrun, so I think I just kind of largely... No, I hate the original. ...largely bypassed it. But then that was also during my um, dark ages of gaming, because the original Xbox, although I played Halo, that was just my getting mm. over the fact that the Dreamcast died. And there was a few years of mourning before I uh, could could really get back into <laughs> anything again. Um, Fair. So, uh, yeah, no, I'll have to check that out. So is, is it the same... Um, uh, is there multiple courses, like the original? You choose your path uh, throughout throughout it, and you can get to various different. Yeah, that's right. And then you end up in things like Tulip Garden, Metropolis, Ancient Ruins, Cape Way. There's a ghost forest, a snowy mountain. Um, but it, I don't know if they're the same as the original. I don't think they are. I know that the apparently the music was was quite similar, but it was rearranged. Lots of the the, the tracks from the soundtrack are called like Euro Remix, which is quite funny. There was a. I don't know if you can still download the Xbox 360 version because that's the first one I played. That may be still available and playable on Series X, but don't don't quote me on that. But that's a nice, easy place to start because it's like a basically like a mega mix of everything. Do we know if it was a an arcade or was it Xbox original yeah. or was it an arcade port? It, it was an arcade port, right? Um, so it's a, yeah, Sega AM2 made it for the arcade, and then it was ported by Sumo Digital to the Xbox, and then uh, Outrun to sp i think was like the next version that came out and then it was 2006 coast to coast which came out on playstation 2 as well as xbox and that was like outrun to sp plus a little bit more and then there was the xbox 361 which was like outrun live or something i can't remember what it's called now it's all the same it's all basically the same game what do you think to it rob have you played it never played it mate um i was gonna ask is it i know that like outrun traditionally is ferraris is there many yeah. cars to choose from or things like that in it or is it you're just bombing around in that red ferrari off the cover you have two four six eight twelve cars couple a couple of um exclusive to the xbox version so in the arcade version you had like the 360 spider f50 f40 enzo ferrari testarossa then in the Xbox version, they added F-355 and then a bunch of ones with numbers in it, like the 250 GTO, 328 GTS. 
Pass. All, all about, Ferraris. It's all about Testarossa to me, but yes, all Ferraris, yeah. All right. Class, classic. No, no, I've never played. I mean, obviously, I've played Outrun, but I've yeah. never played never played Outrun 2. I mean, I'm kind of giving it away a little bit for what I'm going to talk about later on, but this isn't a genre that I would traditionally gravitate towards. Okay. When I'm thinking, what am I going to play next? Um, I'm not a huge fan of driving games. Um, I mean, that's not to say I don't like them, but I, what I do, what I will say is I do find them quite unforgiving. Mm-hmm. If you if you're in a race and you make one mistake, often that that's it, you're screwed. Yeah. Um. So it's it's it is a game that it's not my go-to. Like I'll never be in a situation where I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait for the next game in that franchise yeah. to come out. You know, so um, there's a lot of games that will be talked about today that I've probably never, never played. Yeah, now this I mean, this, this game I think is quite an easy one for people who aren't really into full-on, like proper full driving games because yeah. it's yeah. a quick arcade burst. You, um, you can play one run of it, and it'll probably take you about 15 minutes, and then you can probably put it down for a while again. Um, yeah, that's probably part of its appeal. I would have thought. And it is, yeah, and it I is mean, very forgiving. You're not actually in a race against other cars. You are driving through traffic, but it's more okay. of a time attack. It's just getting to the yeah. checkpoint before the time runs out. And then obviously you put more money in if you're in the arcade. Yeah. I mean, I love driving elements of games such as Grand Theft Auto, where the driving part isn't the main, isn't all that, isn't the entirety of the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, with Seems driving games, yeah, with driving games, Love them in the arcades where, or, or if I had like a setup at home with a where it was almost like I was sitting in a car, mm-hmm. great. But I mean, uh, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a game I'll, it's not a genre I'll go to often, yeah. other than the game that I'm going to talk about later on, unless somebody tips us to the pole. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's not something that I, I think needs a lot of like deep time sinking into it. It's not a game you're going to obsess over. Like I say, it's just a, I just love the way that it feels to drift those cars around those corners as fast as you possibly can get. It's not realistic in any way whatsoever. Doesn't take that much time to learn the mechanics of it. So it's just it's it's an arcade game. It should be you know it is what it should be. You pick it up, you you get used to it very quickly, and you have a blast. So there's probably going to be deeper games that probably are more likely to win. But um, I'm just want Outrun two to get some recognition, and here it has been. Do you want to go next, Rob? Because you, if you're worried, people might pick yours and pip you. I, I know Steve won't pick what I've picked. I don't know. What, Simon's a bit of a wild card, as always, though. I never know what he's going to pick. I mean, Simon generally picks whatever's going to come last. I've got a solid backup. <laughs> like, but then it doesn't come last, like Dizzy. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I've won twice. Bro. No, no, I, I'm, I'm saying like when games that I would expect to not be in the running, like Dizzy. And then they come out of nowhere. Um, I've got a solid backup, so don't you worry. Oh. All right, well, I'll go next then. So my, ga- my game is a game, and as I just said, I'm not a huge fan of driving games. Um, that's not to say I don't like them. It's just with the limited amount of time I've got to play games, it's not something that I'll, I'll generally spend time playing. However... The game I'm going to talk about is a game that I spent a lot of time playing when it was released in 1999 on the PlayStation 1. Um, and it's the, se- well, it's the sequel in, like, dare I say, 
a lot of if somebody was to say name a driving like the example um Alex gave before when he was saying I don't want to see Mario Kart up against Gran Turismo. The game I've gone for is Gran Turismo two. <laughs> That's the only Gran Turismo I've ever played, and I played it for about ten minutes at my friend's house. What did you think of it? It was too realistic, I couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's um I was only it's a kid, very though. Yeah, it's very deep. I mean it came out in nineteen ninety nine and I did have a little bit of a, a dilemma about it. It comes back to what Steve said a couple of times. Should you go for the original unless there's a huge discrepancy between the first and the second? Like the example he gave about Street Fighter, not going for well, Street Fighter one and two, or, or couldn't well, be further apart. And my example today, I guess. Yeah, and I mean the Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo is the first one. If you go on a Metacritic and look at racing games. It's the top, the first Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo 3, I think, second. And then my my pick is down in ninth place. What's A-spec and what's 3-A-spec? Was Which one was came, came first? I couldn't know? tell you. Couldn't tell you. But A-spec, I think, is the one that's in second place, isn't it? And, and yeah. The um, Gran Turismo is the, um, the highest-selling PlayStation franchise, isn't it? By quite yeah. a way, I think. So the, the the top three, I, I know this because I was reading about it today. The highest selling place, the biggest selling PlayStation One game of all time is the first Gran Turismo. Then it's Final Fantasy Seven. Then it's Gran Turismo Two. <laughs> Mad. And there's not a huge like I think Gran Turismo One is on about just short of eleven million copies. Gran uh, Final Fantasy Seven's a, a little over ten million, and then I think Gran Turismo Two something like nine point three million. Um, but, I mean, you've got to remember, Gran Turismo 1 and 2 only came out a year apart. And, essentially, Gran Turismo 2 just did everything the first one did, bigger and better. It's really indicative of, like, the attitude of the PlayStation, right? It was aimed at that kind of, like, late teens, early 20s guys. Yeah. Um, so, the, like, driving loads of, like, really expensive cars and it being realistic is, is clearly what that console was designed to be doing. And that's why I think it just went gangbusters. But yeah, I mean, Gran Turismo 2, and I, I did play this to death. I remember playing it over over a Christmas. It's got two modes. You can either play arcade. So if you don't want it to be super realistic, like what Alex was talking about, where oh, really? it's really deep in... Well, you can't... There is an arcade. There's two discs. I didn't know that. There's two discs. There's an arcade disc, and there's a Gran Turismo disc, which is the oh. like career simulation mode. So in arcade mode, you can pick whatever car you want, pick whatever track you want, and just race. Oh, right. Um, so there's there's two modes, there's two discs, and interestingly, the second, in early releases of the game, the second disc, which was the Gran Turismo disc, was scratch... Dog. Hang on, I'll wait until he's buggered off. Oh, he's gone. Um, so the second disc, early releases of the game, it was scratch and sniff. <laughs> you could, you like could FIFA scratch the. Oh, was FIFA two thousand and one scratch and sniff? Yeah, what it smelled it smell like of? grass. <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah. Um, well, if you if you rubbed if if you rubbed it with your finger, it released the smells of oil and burnt rubber. <laughs> I was thinking car oh, air it, freshener, but apparently, okay, fine. 
rubber and yeah, well that would have been a better option oil. but um i mean it's it's such a, for a game that came out in 99 it's huge i used to mm. love the gran turismo modes um has, en- has anybody played it i know alex has dabbled but if have you played it? And Steve, have you played it? I know you've got limited PlayStation. Very, very briefly. I was very impressed at the time and quite jealous as well. Um, jealous of just how much there was. Uh, it was obviously a beautiful game, but the um, yeah. realistic cars and how many of them there were, I, I don't. I can't quote what they were, but I remember there just being a metric shit ton of them. And as a Saturn owner who was <laughs> yeah. playing um, you know, with, with, with two made-up cars normally on those tracks, I was, I, was, I was very impressed by it, I have to say. Begrudgingly, but yeah, yeah. Seven of you played it. Um, no, I've got, I've got a weird uh, relationship with Gran Turismo. Like I, I never had a Have PS One, um, and I did play certain racing games, but it was just what my friends had, and they like I played a Toka Race Driver on PS One, which I assume was similar, and found that really hard. And I played like Destruction Derby and Wipeout. But never mm. the original two Gran Turismo's. I've played later ones a lot. <laughs> you've you've missed out. I mean, it's um. You mentioned the amount of cars it's got. It's it had a little under six hundred and fifty different real life cars in, Jesus, made by fifty real life car manufacturers for, uh, with, with the likes of Audi, Fiat, Lancia, Mitsubishi, Dodge, Ford, um. All of the the major car manufacturers, with the exception of Ferrari, I don't think Ferrari's in it. Too busy um, being in outrun. Clearly, <laughs> exclusive and for Sega. The developers went and visited all of these manufacturers and took photographs of all of the cars, so they could make three hundred and sixty degree models of them to put them into the game. And there's. 27 tracks, including rally tracks. There wasn't rally tracks in the first one. It was just purely on tarmac. But in the second one, you can take cars off-road and, and, and go rallying. Um, it's, it's an enormous game. You complete driving... Um, I, want to say, I don't want to say driving tests, but you, you earn driving licenses, which opens more advanced tournaments to you so that you're competing at the level that you can race at. So it's it's almost like a tutorial to get you to where you need to be, so you can enter the the the, the more um, difficult races in the games. And um, when as you if you win a tournament, you'll win a car for winning that tournament, and you can either keep that car and use it, or you can sell it. So I remember when I first got it, I was competing in the, the Sunday Cup or something like that, which is the the first tournament. And I think every time I won it, I was getting like I don't know, like a a Nissan Micra or something. And I was just selling it and then using money to pump it into my bright red orange uh, orange no, bright orange Ford Focus that I'd, hmm. I was working on. Because then you can go and tune it up. You can change the wheels. You can change the shock absorbers. You can make the en- engine more powerful. You can do all sorts of stuff and just keep making your car more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. So if you enter a race and you're coming second, you'll get prize money for that, which you can then put into your car so that the next time you go into that race, you could come first. And it's just so incredibly deep. And the fact that the strongest, I mean, Steve mentioned it looks incredible, the lighting effects and racing, racing at night or racing when the sun's setting still looks beautiful. I loaded it up on my PlayStation Vita before we started recording just to, to have a oh, look. I bet it looks it nice, this... actually, can, like on that small screen. Yeah, yeah, on that 
OLED screen, it, it looked great. It's it's still look. I mean, for a game that's twenty four years old, it, it, I mean, you can tell it's twenty four years old, but it still looks great. I mean, it really how, took the PlayStation to its limits, you know. How does it pl- how does it play? Like nowadays, that's what I was going to say. Like it, yeah, it's got so many cars in it. It's got so many tracks in it. It's got so many options and modes, but its strongest feature is the way the cars handle. So if you drive a four-wheel car, a four-wheel drive car, it controls differently to a two-wheel drive front or rear-wheel drive car. If you tune up your car, it'll feel different in race to how it felt beforehand. It, it really does handle incredibly well, even now. And with a D-pad, right? Because it was a D-pad game at the time. I yeah, assume. yeah, um, yeah. Will have been on the PlayStation One. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's it it was it it handled incredibly well. The gameplay was its strongest strongest aspect, which is in, an incredible thing to say when you consider how it looked, how many cars there were in it, how big it was. And I mean, I haven't even talked about the soundtrack. The soundtrack was different. Is it licensed. It was licensed. It was different in the states to what it was in over here. But um, I've got some of the, I've got it here. So like it, and I know Alex, you like angry shouty music, but I mean it had. I like the burnout soundtracks. <laughs> yeah. So in, in the in the American version, you had Moby, um, Gary Newman's Cars, Rob Zombie, Garbage, the the Cardigans, Foo Fighters, Stone Temple Pilots, Creed, Hall, Beck, the Dandy Warhols. In the version we got over here, you had Ash, Everything But the Girl. Bad Boy Slim, Manson, Stereophonics, The Cardigans, and some of the other songs that were in the in the Americans. So, I mean, for a game that that came, and and that's not to mention the the actual music within the game. I mean, if you're, it's one of these games where you'll spend quite a lot of time playing the menus when mm. you're going buying new selling cars that you bought, buying new cars, tuning up your car. The sound effects are, are quite nostalgic. When I was flicking through it, having to play through it. Going from like even just moving the cursor around and choosing to go something different, that sound effect brought a, a wave of nostalgia back for me from from playing it twenty four years ago. And the menu music and the the music when you, the licensed music isn't on is is great too. I mean, it's it's ninth in the Metacritic list of racing games, and the first one is top on mm-hmm. but on ninety five. This has got 93 on Metacritic, but this is a better game. This does everything that the first Gran Gran Turismo does, but it does it better. The only reason it doesn't score higher is because it didn't do, it wasn't different enough to the first one. It was a truce, it was a sequel in the sense that they were released a year apart. And when the first one came out, the, the, the creators thought, you know what, we could do better. And they did do better, and they put out Gran Turismo too. <laughs> but then the next iteration was obviously on the PlayStation Two, and more yeah. powerful. They were able to do what they wanted to do. But this really took the PS One to the the limits of its hard. That really took it to the the limits of the hardware. It's it's an incredible game, and as I say, it must it must be to win to get me to dedicate so much time to it when this isn't the kind of game that I would typically play but I, I really do think that what drew me in was the earning money spending money doing it in my car having a garage with all of the different cars and that I can choose what I want to use in each race 
Is the doing you know? up the cast like relatively intuitive? Does it does it work for like a console video game, or is it like really like you have to know loads about cars? No, you don't need to know anything about cars. I mean, you go. To, I don't know anything about cars. I know how to drive, but if yeah. I don't know how to fix a car, no, you would just um, go to the go to a, the garage and just choose to change your shock absorbers, tune up your engine, and basically what it'll do is it'll tell you your um, like. Like what the, stats it's how, going to increase, or whatever. yeah, exactly how powerful yeah. your car is now compared to how powerful it will be once yeah. you've done this, and how much it's yeah. going to cost to do it, and you can change the color of your car. But I loved the fact that I had this garage of cars, and I was like, right, yeah. I'm going to enter this race now. What car? What car am I going to use to take into that that race? And I mean, the fact that you could be racing with a a Fiat 500 or something like that, you know, like a little uh, Vauxhall Corsa, you could you could dri- drive in a race with the car you've got sitting outside your house. Because there's so many cars in which range from a little hatchback that somebody will be driving to Tesco's to do the shopping in, and then a half a million pound supercar. And that that's what you work your way up to. Were they all like contemporary cars for the time of the of the game? Or did you have like loads of like retro cars in there and stuff? Yeah, you had, you had loads of retro cars. There was lots of lots of um like Toyotas and stuff from the uh the seventies and stuff like that. It was, um, it it was. There was a lot of contemporary cars, but there was a lot of car. And the thing is, a lot of the cheaper cars were cheaper because they were ten years old. They weren't brand new. It's um, it, it, even now it's worth a visit just to see how big it is. I kind of feel like I'd actually want to play the game now because the newer games would be like way too like like proper full on sim racing. I wouldn't enjoy it. But this one kind of feels like it might actually be slightly more um, accessible for like somebody who prefers ar- arcade stuff like me. I bought Gran Turismo Sport for the PlayStation Four. Yeah, it's not as good as Gran Turismo Two. Mm. That's the last one before Gran Turismo Seven, which is the newest one. Um, yeah, it, it was it was lacking a, it was missing quite a lot of the stuff that made Gran Turismo Two great. Like the, well, just a lot of the stuff I've talked about, being able to um, start with a crappy little car and kind of work your way up. That there wasn't that there was that, but it wasn't. It didn't have the charm that it did back then. And um, but I mean, Gran Turismo Seven's out now, and I've not touched that. But what I will say about Gran Turismo Seven is, apparently, if you play it in VR, it's absolutely incredible to the point where, you know how when you're driving and you get like blinded by the sun. Yeah, you've got to watch out for that and <laughs> things like that. Apparently, Gran um, Turismo Seven in VR has to be experienced to be believed. In that's on PSVR two, obviously. I played okay. GT GT Sport on PSVR one. Um, <clears throat> oh, have you? I remember spinning off and hitting a barrier and like physically jumping back. <laughs> I mean, I own Gran Turismo Sport and I own a PlayStation VR and I've never played it in VR. It's quite limited. You can only race against... Like, there's only two cars on the track. Yeah. And only certain cars are available and possibly certain Maybe tracks as well. I literally I literally tried it once. Um, but it, it was good, but it was a bit too limited to have me going back and trying more. Are you sure that's what it is? Are you sure you didn't scare yourself, Simon? It gave me the willies, and I, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. I have and you only got that in your dogging sim, don't you? Nobody wants willies in VR, that's for sure. No, no. Whenever I put that helmet on, I get palpitations. 
yeah, uh, yeah. My uh, my friend from work, I was talking to about it when I was saying I prefer Forza Horizon. He actually said the thing I don't like about those games is they give you like loads of crazy, ridiculously quick cars at the beginning. But in Gran Turismo, I really like that you start off with a like an old banger and you get to make old oh, banger. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but again, that, that's Horizon though. Forza Motorsport, you do start off like you don't start. Yeah, yeah. Because I know in um, the PS3 Gran Turismo that I play quite a lot, you you start off in these like um. You know these going about town like little. They're basically boxes. Okay. Kind of, yeah. Um, Forza tends to start you off with um, like sporty hatchbacks and stuff, so a bit higher yeah. level, but not by much. Yeah, and that's why I like Horizon. You just get to. I'll, I'll have a fifty-seven Chevy and do this, and then I'll have a fucking Audi R eight or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I'm a lazy man. I'm an impatient man. I want to go fast quicker. But yeah. That's a good choice. Was there, so nobody else here has played it, that specific one, other than me for like ten minutes. Uh, no, I have, I have played it, um, but probably not, not a great deal. More I think I'm going to get it on Vita after this. I think that would be oh, right, it's, it's, a right good brilliant. game to play in bed. It's brilliant. The the guy who the guy who I played it around his house um, absolutely loved it. Like he'll probably say that's one of his favorite games ever. He was so into Gran Turismo too. So I'll make sure he votes for you. Cheers, man. <laughs> that's at least two votes yeah What what's the handling like on them uh, Rob is it are they, quite, are they quite easy to, to control or is it lightly difficult to get to grips with I don't think so I think it's quite intuitive um, I mean I, as I said like I, I mean I, I, I didn't say this before but I think maybe one of the reasons I don't really like driving games is because I'm not all that good at them but I found mm. this really really good and I think it is realistic in the sense that if you do something wrong you're going to be punished and you're going to you're going to come yeah. off the course but that that it isn't punishing to the sense that it puts you off yeah it really makes you want to do better and you might hit you might go around the bend and think right okay well i know what to do next time around so i do think the ha- i do think it handles very very well um i mean alex yeah, give it a go it... And, and and report back and see what you think yeah but, i mean especially back then on the d-pad as well mm. i don't think they could have done a better job with it the only game I've played that that comes close to the the um, joy that I get from driving around with like that is is something like driving around the streets on Grand Theft Auto. I was watching a I was watching a video about Grand Turismo earlier, and like it's like an old IGN one about how it changed you know racing games and stuff. Because mm. I guess when the first one came out, apparently it was like a real labor of love. I don't I don't remember the name of the sort of the director of the series, but apparently he'd been it been like being made since like 92 they've been working on it for absolutely ages and apparently it came with like a hundred page instruction manual with loads of like driving techniques and stuff because i don't know if it has does it have racing lines or anything i don't think it does does it um i don't remember i don't think so modern like accessibility quality of life thing so yeah apparently a hundred page manual telling you how to actually play it i was just gonna say you mentioned ign there yeah ign gave this 9.8 out of 10 when it came out as well and wow. when it was released, it surpassed Ocarina of Time as the fastest selling title, fastest selling video game in ever in the UK. Wow! So that just goes to show how anticipated it was. But um, no, yeah. that that that's me. I think. Good choice. Let's move on to Steve. Hello. Hey, mate. So I was like Rob, I'm not a massive fan of uh, of driving games. At least I haven't been um, historically. Um, 
Growing up um, before the 3D revolution, it was probably one of my least go-to genres. Um, mm. I wasn't, like I say, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, racing arcade. I wasn't a big fan of Outrun and Hang On and anything else that was going around at the time. But or some of the most standout, amazing moments I had in the arcade were thanks to AM2. So um, starting with Virtua Racing. The first time I played that was just utterly mind-blowing, um, as I think it was for a lot of people. Because although 3D games have been around before, there was nothing with the, uh, with the same level um, of sheer power behind the machine um, as yeah. the Model 1 to be able to throw all those polygons at the screen. And although, of course, it's very um, stylized, and I think it's aged quite well if you like into that kind of look. The, the arcade version especially still looks great. It looks amazing, yeah. It's really fun. And it's just so um, smooth um, to, to play. And it was the first time ever experiencing like multiple camera angles and, and things like that. So yeah. I was really, really blown away by it. I, I think it was probably the most jaw-dropping moment I'd had in an arcade to that point. Um, but then, of course, it was only like a year later that Daytona USA came out, or at least it was in the my arcade. Um, I don't own an arcade. I mean, the one I visited. Um <laughs> Which that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Guy, I'd be rolling it now, wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, uh, but the uh, yeah, the first time I saw Daytona USA, that was equally um, mind blowing. Um, just the, the the upgrade that it was on the Model One. The um, first time to see textured uh, polygons. Um, I'm sure the frame rate has is, is, is doubled. The the just the whole deal was was upgraded in every single way. Utterly utterly blown away by that. And then, of course, it wasn't long after the tales of that that Sega Rally came out. Good old so Sega Rally. Three incredible um, leaps um, uh, in a very short amount of time. And each one of those just completely blew me away. Um, but I think, really, if I'm going to realistically talk about um, racing games, I have to think about what I played most, and what I played most would be what I um, played at home. So... I mean, Virtua Racing, the, the, the Mega Drive port of that was utterly incredible, I thought, for the, um, for the time. And I didn't when I reviewed it for Sega Mania. <laughs> you, you hated it, yeah. But then, it's, yeah. But, you know, you, weren't, you were looking at it through the lens of someone today, you know. Someone... Yeah, and, I, and I, I played the arcade one on MAME to compare and love the arcade one. Yeah, so I can see what the fuss about there is. Absolutely, yeah. But of course, the you know, I just love watching machines do things they're not designed for. But um, yeah, the Mega Drive thirty two X version, now that was really good. But the Saturn one was a massive letdown. The Daytona port, as we know, um, was rushed and uh, suffered from uh, frame rate issues and and really bad clipping. Yeah. Um, uh, but Sega Rally for the Saturn was incredible, and it could show what um, what uh, properly worked on title was. You know the amount of time in the oven that needed, um, what the machine could produce. So it was a real standout moment. So that would that was that was going to be my go to. Um, but the more and more I thought about it, I remembered playing it and. Um, at the time, being so proud of the Saturn for doing it, but only only a, uh, a few months later, being um, so in awe of what the PlayStation was doing with Gran Turismo and 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 you know secretly loathing them for it, um, mm-hmm. just just for the sheer amount of content more than anything, because that was the point where we started thinking that at home we deserved a little bit more than the cheap you know fifty p a go frills that you get in the arcade, and that there wasn't that with the. Um, 
uh, with any of the home uh, ports of, of, of the AM2 stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden it, it, it hit me. Um, I mean, after then, like nowadays, I don't, I don't tend to, to play racing games that much. Forza was in with a shout because I, um, uh, I, I got, a, got a lot of good enjoyment out of that when I, when I initially played it. But like Rob, I probably do most of my driving on Grand Theft Auto. But that did lead me to consider for a moment on the original PS1 driver. You can get past the tutorial. If you can get past the fucking tutorial, yeah. What? Bastard. <laughs> it's terrible, yeah. Utter, utter nightmare, yeah. Like starting with a boss fight. Yeah. <clears throat> Sonic Adventure. Um, not that that was a difficult one, but then the answer came to me was was so obvious in the end. Um, so this game that I pick was for the Dreamcast, um, and it was a game which took uh, a, a new angle on racing. Uh, in many new angles, in fact. This game was, and I'll give you the tagline, which should help you. It's not about how you drive. How sorry? It's not about how fast you drive. It's about how you drive fast. Hmm. On the Dreamcast. I see Simon nodding. It is indeed Metropolis Street Racer. Nice. He's he's been shy and he's put it in the group chat rather than saying it out loud because he doesn't. Ah, right. Be honest, you're yeah, thunder, but- Steve. <laughs> or look like a mug if I was wrong, you know. Uh, wasn't my I wasn't doing a dramatic Simon Cowell moment. I was just seeing if you guessed. Yeah, no, MSR went a Metropolis Street Racer. So um, uh, it came out um, in two, just in two thousand and one in Europe, I believe. No, sorry, in two thousand in Europe and two thousand and one in North America. Um, it was a game that was meant to be a launch title for the Dreamcast. But it got delayed and delayed and delayed, which often is a, a sign of danger. But it really was the fact that they were tuning this game up to a ridiculous degree. Um, now, of course, Sega didn't have it was sorry, it was Bizarre Creations who created it, who um, uh, who who sorry, uh, Sega produced it. Um, not having as much money behind them, they were never going to get the licenses for all those vehicles, uh, like Gran Turismo. But there were still 14 different manufacturers who contributed, I think, and uh, 40 different cars. Um, the real selling point of the game was that it was they had, um, I think, about eight miles of um, square miles of city um, mapped out accurately. Uh, that was in London, Tokyo, and San Francisco. And the level of detail in all of these um, cities was was really incredible. I knew, obviously, London. I knew the London streets uh, quite well, and it was really, really well detailed. Um, uh, almost, you know, down to different um, uh, shop windows and things like that. It was, it was and, and you know, the apartments and stuff above them. Um, so you had three different areas in each city, but a total of two hundred and sixty-two tracks in total. So you take different paths across those various cities. So for someone who was starved of content um, on the arcade races on, on the Saturn, this just seemed like mind-blowing at the time. The graphics, oh my God. I mean, I played it again today just to refresh myself. And I'm still amazed that a console that came out in the late 90s uh, produced that. Um, I mean, it was... It was ported to under Budget Project Gotham Racing for um, the Xbox, uh, and there was a sequel, I believe, as well. Um, That's supposed to be superior, and that is one of the games I really want to play on Xbox. And I'm, it may have got my vote had I done so because it's supposed to be amazing. Well, the the uh, the sequel, 
The second one. Project Gotham 2, yeah. Uh, that's the one I haven't played. I played Project Gotham, and it was um, definitely an upgrade on the uh, on the Dreamcast game, but we're only mm. talking minor tweaks, etc. I don't think there was a, a, a great deal of difference. Yeah. Um, so it took advantage of the, the little details of what really sells it for me. It took advantage of the um, the clock in the Dreamcast. So um, you could select your time zone, um, wherever you are in the world, and the different cities, London, Tokyo, San Francisco, would represent exactly that time of day. The only downside is that, of course, if you only play at the same time every day, like you get home from work and play an hour, then you get the same <laughs> one. But obviously yeah. you, can, you can fuck around with the clock to, to you know... The experience is Tokyo at night time is a sight to behold. I mean, it really is. That's utterly beautiful. Um, it's variable weather conditions. Um, but the the thing which really... Uh, uh, and sorry, another thing that really sold it was the, um, the gameplay innovations. Um, so there was not just a simple first-past-the-post uh, play system. There was... Uh, what was called a kudos system. So that's the, where it comes into. It's not just how fast you drive, but how you drive fast. It was uh, points awarded for style um, and for the, your, your, the manner of your, your wins. So if you pass people close, but you don't knock them, you would your kudos yeah. would go up, do nice handbrake turns without bumping into anything. All that kind of bumped it up. And you would unlock more cars and more tracks and things as you went along. So there's a real kind of... Um, uh, Lots of reasons to keep you coming back for for more and more goes. I mean, I was someone like you, Alex, who enjoyed picking up a game and and tossing it aside for you know ten minutes later. It's like I'd have my fill now. But this mm. actually probably put more more hours into this game than than ever before. There was also a reason I remember. I um, uh, when this game came out, I did my first ever show in London in, in Shaftesbury Avenue, and I was so annoyed that you could go there at Piccadilly. But you couldn't go down Shaftesbury Avenue. You could see the theatre where I did my performance, but you couldn't couldn't drive past. <laughs> it. Um, so again, like um, uh, like not having the money behind them held them back a little bit. They couldn't license music like they could in Gran Turismo, so they got over it in a creative way. They created three different radio stations for every city. So you got like a trance one, you've got a country one, um, you know, whatever, or, or you know, Japan, Japan, you've got particular different forms of. Uh, Japanese pop music, which are ridiculously catchy. Um, so um, another point which which really impressed me was the the level of detail they went into with the handling of the cars. So ordinarily at that time, for and uh, probably isn't true for Gran Turismo, but for um, for most racing games, the cars would pivot off a, a central point. Uh, they experimented with actually getting them to pivot off the four different axes of the actual wheels themselves, but they found that ultra-realistic being a little bit um, sort of held them back a bit. So they worked out a system whereby it works kind of uh, the two things in tandem. So it centrally pivots, but it also pivots off the four wheels. So it gives a a really interesting driving experience. It's rock hard. There's no way of of getting around that. It, It really is a challenge. But it's a challenge that kind of makes you want to keep coming back. It was it was very much like the Forza experience, I have to say. But you know, yeah, twenty years um, earlier. Like I say, the little touches of detail that they went into was was utterly incredible. They had um, something that was called depth queuing, which is um, uh, but buildings depending on their size would reflect a different amount of your engine noise at you. 
So if you're driving driving past tall buildings, you get a different sound if you're driving past small buildings. And if you're driving down the mall, then every single tree you pass will make a little whoosh sound as you as you go past from the way it re- reflects your engine sounds. They took all these cars um, into like a uh, well, echoless room. It's got a particular name. I think it's a, a, a no-kick chamber or something where they recorded the engine sound. So if you're in a first-person view, you get much more of an engine sound, whereas if you're behind the car, you get much more of an exhaust sound, and it's all... Nice. It's just, it is just ridiculously um, uh, detailed, and uh, like the care and love that went into it was, was just phenomenal. Um, in fact, I think they would have carried on developing it on and on, because there was originally plans to, uh, uh, to have human crowds um watching and, and things like that but it just because it carried and getting pushed back i think it was it's probably like a year and a half after dreamcast first came out that it finally hit, hit stores they, they ended up having to to get rid of some of their more ambitious things but i remember uh there being a bit of a thing at it at the time because they, they were worried that because this game was so realistic and driving around realistic cities that people were going to have to were going to start going out there and basically doing Mario Kart around Buckingham Palace or something. <laughs> um, so they put a warning up the up top, which says, you know, to warn people not to do street racing and what have you, how dangerous it is. Yeah, I remember that warning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it just made the whole thing cooler. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like you're doing something so dangerous. But it's like always those ridiculous warnings. It was like my, um, or with my my brother who was told he couldn't wear steel toe cap shoes at school because he said, "Well, if you kick someone in the head, you could kill them." Like, <laughs> well, well, yeah. If I kick him in the head, it's like, what makes you think I'm going to play this game and all of a sudden start handbreaking it around the monument? I never quite got to the end of the game. I never unlocked all the tracks because it is just too too hard. But. I've put hours and hours and hours into that game, way more than than I think any other racer. I mean, possibly if you total up the the amount of times I've nipped into Arc Arcade and spent a quick go on Daytona or, or Sega Rally, might bump it up. But I think looking yeah. at my save file today, as I did, I just thought oh, one thing that I really loved as well was that you could even change the um, the messages in game. So if you want to call, call yourself a dickhead every time that you bump into someone, you can, or whatever, you know, <laughs> or if you're going the wrong way, if you want to call yourself a mentalist, or, you know, <laughs> which I, I did. Um, but yeah, no, I was just utterly blown away by that game. Um, surprised that the, um, uh, that the studio shut down after Project Gotham 2, I think. It was Bizarre Creations. They were uh, probably just got disbanded, probably got bought by Microsoft, and then solve the parts as you know as they like to do but um i thought there's definitely more mileage in that um, i'll tell you about but bizarre creations in a minute okay cool i'll strap in for that but i was um yeah i was i was really blown away by the time and i remember early days of 3d as i was saying the other week when you started daring to dream what was possible on the first things you think is well will they be able to recreate like you know the the area that i'm in so if you actually to drive around london in a realistic car um, it, it, with new game types and all the different stuff they put in, I just thought the game was phenomenal for um, for its time. It's just so innovative in so many different ways. We could talk about the minutiae of details of the stuff they did for forever, but it's just to do all that, to innovate so much and still come out with a really fun game at the end of it, mm. that deserves to be applauded for my money. I will now field your questions. I don't think I have any. Um... That was very persuasive. Have you ever played it? 
I own it. Yeah, I've played it. But again, probably played it when I was quite young. And like I say, I've always been this more into the arcadey stuff like Sega Rally or Burnout or stupid shit like that. So I think a lot of the time when I was younger, I would pick up a game like this. And I remember, again, back to Gran Turismo, I remember somebody saying, oh, you know, it's one of the first sort of driving games that really made you have to think about having to put the brake on. Whereas before that, a lot of video game driving was just fast as you can, hammer it around the corners, who cares if you crash? Whereas, yeah, once you start getting into actually driving properly and carefully, I guess I turned off. But Yeah, to be honest, I'm normally the same. I think I probably... If this game came out now, I, I, I wouldn't have put the hours into it. I think it was just yeah. knowing how much it deserved my attention for all the things that it did and being... Plus, I wanted to know what, what Tokyo felt like driving around at night. You know? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I tend to be that, that way inclined with races as well, but um, worth giving another go. I've not got any questions, but it does. I've, I've never played it, obviously, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm looking at some of the, uh, the images on Google, and it looks, looks really nice. I'm a sucker for any... any like, I've said I don't like driving games, but I do appreciate... Things like um, well lit up yeah. cityscapes when you're driving around at night, definitely. Yeah. You know, and weather weather effects. I'm a huge fan, sucker for weather effects in racing even, games as well. Even the clock on Big Ben um, tells the right time according to the time yeah. of the VMU. It just it's just knockout. And yeah, it, yeah. I should have said when I was talking about Gran Turismo too the fact that you can drive through um, like the likes of Rome and stuff. But looking at this, I mean. Some of the pictures look as though, dare I say, look like photograph. For a Dreamcast game, that's... Uh... Mm. Yeah, it really is something else. That is something else. Shall we move on to Simon? Let's. It's funny you used to choose Metropolis Street Racer, Steve. <laughs> why is that, Simon? <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> because, I'll tell you why. Um, so in the past on this podcast, we've kind of tried to avoid sticking with the same series. But I think this one... Uh, kind of sidesteps that a bit. Um, so yeah, you mentioned um, Bizarre Creations, who made MSR and how they worked on PGR two. Um, they also worked on PGR three, Project Austin Racing three, which is a launch title for the Xbox three hundred and sixty. And they also worked on Project Austin Racing four. Um, and then after that, they did uh, Rob's favorite Xbox game, Blur. <laughs> but they also did Geometry Wars, which is brilliant. They also did Geometry Wars, which... Uh, they did on a lunch break or something, didn't they? It, something like just that. one of their guys made it on a on a whim. And it was put yeah. in the arcade in the garage of PGR2. Oh, nice. So that, that's where Geometry Wars originated, was in the... Because um, you had your little garage that you could walk around, and there was an arcade machine with Geometry Wars on it. And I think... I want to say it was PGR2. But I'm not choosing Geometry Wars because it's not a driving game. Blur is brilliant. But it is a really good game. Is it? <laughs> it is really is it really? Good. Oh, it's fantastic, John Jaws, yeah. I know John Jaws is. It's Blur brilliant. Oh, Blur. It's the only, ex- it's the only game I've ever played on an Xbox. Oh, life yeah, changing. of course. It's life-changing. I would say Blur is all right at best. Like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they, they had a... I, I'm not sure about the idea they had. Like, Mario Kart with real cars. Oh, that's what that's that game. Yeah, I know the one you're on about. It might just been like some work experience folk that he just chucked on it. Yeah. Um, so Microsoft, Microsoft did disband Bizarre. I thought Activision did it. No, that's right. Yeah. 
My, yeah, Activision bought them and then, and then they screwed them over. Them, yeah. They were a British company as well, actually. Yeah, based in Liverpool. And their emblem was a little pumpkin. Yeah, it was a little angry looking pumpkin. Yes. And they also made a third person shooter called The Club, which I, I inexplicably enjoyed. Yes, it had a very, it had a kind, almost kind of kudos system as well. It did. Yeah. Their, um, their mascot always reminded me of uh, Jack Pumpkinhead from Return to Oz. Which, if you mm. haven't seen it, you fucking should. Especially if you've got kids, screw them right up. <laughs> That's what we're all aiming for. Yeah, might as well. My kid's currently terrified of the wolf from Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish, which is a brilliant film. But we're digressing a lot, because those pumpkin-headed fellows in Liverpool made Project, <laughs> Gotham, Project Gotham Racing 4, which is my pick. So I think it sidesteps the, uh, the try and avoid things in the same in the same uh, series. So it's kind of in the same series as MSR, and it's kind of not. Um, it's the last Project Gotham Racing game that was made. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's going to be any more. <clears throat> um, even though I think mm. Microsoft still own the name, um, you know, For- Forts is their driving baby now. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, Metropolis Street Racer had three cities. Um, Project Gotham Racing 4 uh, has... So they lost San Francisco, um, but Tokyo and New York are... Uh, sorry, Tokyo and London is still there. Then you've got New York, Las Vegas, Shanghai, St. Petersburg, uh, Quebec City, Macaw, and the Nürburgring. Um, nice. <clears throat> so, and, like, as you say, like, all of those cities are phenomenally realised. Um one of my favourite things to do in PGR was to have a race and then put on the um, the replay, then pause the replay and go into photo mode and just go like just explore around, looking at the like incredible shop fronts and stuff. That looking in the shop windows, just seeing how mental everything looked. Um, they made a huge deal of progress on the crowds as well. So I don't think I've seen this since. I guess mainly because the sort of racing games I play, they don't really put people that close mm. to the track. But if you if you got close to or or hit a barrier where there were where there were people watching right there, they'd all kind of really naturally kind of back off away from it. Hmm. Um, which just added this extra layer of realism. Um, by the time, well, probably by the time PGR two came around, but definitely by the time PGR four came around. Um, I guess Bizarre had Microsoft behind them. They could afford to get some like real bands involved. Um, right. It wasn't like super well-known stuff, like uh, what Rob just list- listed off for Gran Turismo, but it did have some really cool... Like It actually got me into the likes of LCD sound system and um, block party and stuff. So there, there was some really cool stuff on the, on the, uh, on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But another huge big thing is they also had it, added motorbikes. And again, I don't see, I can't remember this in many other, in any other kind of proper racing game. Um, but you can have superbikes racing alongside cars. I never really got on with driving the bikes. Um, they were a bit kind of skittish and a bit too, too fast going into corners. But you, as you progress through the career, there are times when you had to ride a bike and I could, I could do it good enough to get through those levels. Yeah. But, um, if I was just racing for fun, I'd tend to go for a car. But it's 
really cool to have the option to have them around. Um, <clears throat> and there's just something really awesome about, you know, bombing through a rainy uh, London street and just having like a superbike like blast past you. Um, yeah. And then catching it up on the on the corner because they they would be faster on the straights, but then you'd eat them up on the corners. Um, but yeah, that it was brilliant. One really cool thing that PGR Four does again, I don't think any other racing game does, is it would let you. So if you just set up a quick quick race, a non a non campaign race, um, it would let you choose. It would just give you free reign to choose all the AI cars that were in it. So what I would do is I'd, I'd go in a kind of Mitsubishi Evo or something, some kind of mid-level car, which was kind of kind of fast, but kind of easy, easier to control than these like crazy Enzos and stuff. Hmm. Um, and then I'd put, all the, I'd put another couple of cars in from my class, and then I think you could have eight, eight or 12 other races in. And I'd just uh, put a couple of bikes in, a couple of really slow cars, a couple of hyper cars, and just choose as many, like the highest lap number possible and just see what happened. You know, put it in Tokyo, nighttime, thunderstorm, and just kind of soak up the atmosphere. Um, it was a racing game. It was kind of all about, all about atmosphere. The Las Vegas track was phenomenal. It looked amazing. Driving past all the, uh, all the bright lights and the, the casinos. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, online was really good. So I don't play online anymore because I'm, too old and it's too stressful and everyone's too young <laughs> and I don't want to talk on headsets and stuff. <laughs> All valid reasons. Yeah. Um, this was this came out when I was in my playing online like most evenings phase. Yeah. Um and it did suffer a bit from that uh first corner first corner cluster fuck. Um but if you could avoid <laughs> that, um it was great online. Um I've always found that one of the like probably the only genre that I've been that I can generally hold my own online is is the racing game, um, and I usually come first or second, which is really cool. Um, the kudos system is still in there; like they, they kept it going through the entire series. Um, some challenges were you know straight up races; other ones were entirely kudos based. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of have to slide around. Uh, you know, sets of cones and achieve a, a certain kudos score to, to progress. But it, again, it was also the way you unlocked um, cool cars. Um, a huge garage of cars was available. Nothing like, you know, your Gran Turismo's and your Forzas, but it's a different sort of game. But, like, it had 130-odd cars in it, um, which is the most it had since PGR 2. Because uh, I might have mentioned PGR 3, It's it was like a phenomenal looking game but it was a bit short on content it probably suffered from that launch game rush uh, microsoft have long now been just like trotting out racing games to show off their new consoles haven't they yeah it's always like a showpiece type of game for them isn't it so yeah that's probably why get it looking great chuck it out yeah forza motorsport 5 suffered from from that as well it's the, yeah. the 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 motorsport game the forza motorsport game's lowest on content and it's because it uh because it came out on the Xbox One at launch, I think. Mm. Yes. It had Geometry Wars Retro Evolve 2 on it, which is an even better version of the Geometry Wars. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, like I say, the soundtrack was really good. Um, like Prodigy were probably the most well-known on there, but it was loads of cooler, like smaller bands as well. 
Um, I think like in DLC they added even more cities. I think they added like Long Island. Um, okay. Which was just kind of like driving by the beach, I think. And yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, it's my favorite racing game ever, hands down. Um, I think I might have said before, during that era, if anyone asked me what my favorite genres were, I would have said uh, racing games and RPGs. And they're kind of like the opposite. So RPGs, the graphics aren't that important. Um, it's all about yeah. the kind of gameplay and the story and the characters. Um, racing games, I think graphics are really important because it's about that immersion and that wow factor. Um, yeah. So even though, you know, I'd be more likely to play Forza Motorsport 7 at the moment, just because it's the, the latest game driving game I own that's the kind of driving game I like that has the, you know, the snazziest graphics, um, I would happily go back to PGR 4 and play, and it still looks really good. So that is my choice. I don't know, have, has anyone got any questions? Because we, obviously we've already talked about this series a bit, and it is very similar, even though it's different. Well, I'd like to ask a little bit, as someone who wasn't even aware that it went on beyond the second one, because like I say, I had my dark ages of gaming um, around the time the uh, the original Xbox came out. Um, so is it as punishing? Uh, it was the learning curve like in, compared to, to MSR on the Dreamcast. Is it a little bit more accessible or is it, is it still like a, a game that you really need to get involved with to, to enjoy? It's difficult to say because I, I kind of, again, like, it, like I might have said, I only missed PGR 1. Um, so I stuck with the series all the way through. So by, by the PGR time, 1 is basically MSR as far as I'm concerned. Like I own it, so I've got the entire back catalogue of, uh, of MSR and PGR. Um, but I, so I kind of stuck with the series all the way through, so I was kind of ready for it when it came out. I do remember... It might not be a learning curve. It might be more like there were there were a few early spikes. I remember a St. Petersburg race, and I was a, in a Lancia Delta, a red one. I remember having loads of trouble with it, and it's quite an early one. You know, if, if you just had to come first, it was fine. But some of the challenges, some of the cone challenges and stuff, what could be like kind of like difficulty spikes out of nowhere. I always stuck with the, the, the more crap cars. You got better kudos as well, didn't you, if you perform well in a crap car as if you did at the, you know, the high-end one. <laughs> I'd love that if it just said at the top, like, shit car, 200 points. <laughs> well done. Extra points for the yeah. shit wagon. I did find as well, <laughs> if, I was, if, I was dry, if I was racing competitively, I would use the behind-car view. If I was sort of racing to have fun, I would use the in-car view. And if I was doing those bloody gate challenges i would use the view that's like on the bumper on the road because you just yeah know. interesting yeah that's something that we haven't actually talked about like what is everybody's d- default view mine's always behind the car My, mine's always behind the car but every now and again there's a ra- rare game what i just can't get to grips with and i find sticking myself in uh on bumper view can actually improve me i don't know why okay. so sometimes i have to do that for um for tactical reasons but i always prefer behind the car what was behind the car? Was the original Gran Turismo's? Were they? Did they have view options? Ooh, um, I I, I've only ever seen footage car. of it behind the car. Yeah, I bet you could change it to in the car. I'll have to double check though. Be surprised oh. if not. Yeah, I would be amazed if anything that came out after Virtual Racing didn't have mm. didn't have changeable viewpoints. I mean, yeah, Sega Rally did, didn't it? Oh, yeah, all, all the AM2 ones did. Yeah. 
Because that was, of course, the main selling point of it, wasn't it? The, one of the main selling points. The fact that it's fully yeah. 3D, that you could actually travel within this world and pick your viewpoints, what have you. That was, that was jaw-dropping when it first came out. And I think everything just naturally followed that progression. Man, most, things, most things have more than, more than a couple as well. Probably about four minimum, I'd say. Um, they also added a couple of modes in a free like DLC pack. Um, they added tourist mode where you could just drive around, which is really cool. Um, especially London, if you because obviously I recognised it and it was just really cool to drive around it. Um, and they added a, a multiplayer mode called Cat and Mouse, where um, the mouse would be in like a mini, and all the cats would be in like Enzo Ferraris, and you'd just have to try and avoid them for as long as possible. Um, you get a head start and then you just like have to try and avoid them they try and drive into you so it, it kind of chucked realism out of the window but it was a really good layout sounds really fun well I, I've just been um, looking while you were talking about it uh, to see if especially as uh, as you say Microsoft own the name why the hell none of these games are backwards compatible on Series X is a disgrace if they own the franchise None of them are playable on a modern console. You've got to plug your bloody 360 back in again. Shocking. And it, Microsoft makes them very, very... And it, like, I don't intend this pun, but it's going to happen. They make some very bizarre decisions. hey <laughs> um, When it comes to gaming. Um, like, I, don't know, I don't know what they do sometimes. Like, you've, only, you've only got to look at what they're doing with Rare to figure out that, my, that Microsoft are just operating on a level that we don't understand. Yeah. Not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> like, why why own a company like Rare and have them making like connect games and whatever? They wasted Rare for so long until they let them do Sea of Thieves, and even then, that game's not all it should be. I think probably all the talent that was a- able to do anymore is all since gone. Oh, the Stamper Brothers yeah. and all that are long gone. Yeah. No, but he, he, yeah, if, if you just keep getting them to churn out crap or stuff that's not in their wheelhouse, then it'll, it'll, they'll end up with those kind of employees there and they wouldn't be able to do anything. It's just, it's just a name after a while, isn't it? I think Rare probably is that nowadays, yeah. Fucking Microsoft. <laughs> right. I guess that's Simon's nomination. It is. Just, just good, like, if, you, if you're listening and you haven't really heard of PGR, just, just, just look at a trailer or something. Because it does look, it still looks phenomenal. And the realistic seas, the way that it's, and not just the kind of, they looked at a map and they looked at, you know, blueprints and they, and they just made the accurate sea, but the way they nailed the atmosphere and the lighting mm-hmm. and the way the different weather effects, you know, like a storm in New York will look different to a storm in London. Like it's, it's Top Gear before, no, it's not even Top Gear, it's better than Top Gear. And the way, when they added motorbikes as well, it's just it's just coolness. It's just the coolest racing game, and it is the best. So about the bikes, surely a super bike would would utterly outstrip like all the cars in there, like it did in Mario Kart on the Wii or whatever it was. All the bikes were better. The top bikes would tend to be really good on the straight, but would struggle in the corners and stuff. The cars would like get them back. Right. Okay. Do you actually come off the bikes when you when you hit the barrier and well, yeah you can happens? you can come off the bikes yeah and you can drive into the bikes and knock them off yeah <laughs> you knew that was going to be my next question <laughs> <laughs> then you can go find it in the replay and like pause the moment and take photos of them flailing through the air <laughs> brilliant that is awesome 
Does does anybody have some honourable mentions that they would like to? We haven't spoken about that. They want to briefly just maybe even just name it if you want. I was gonna my my backup was potentially Colin McRae Rally on the PS One, which the, is now dirt. the original. Okay, yeah, I love the dirt games. I love yeah. rally games in general. Yeah, and me and my brother had quite a lot of fun with um, the old F One, like Formula One games on the PS One as well. I'm surprised nobody mentioned any Formula One. Well, yeah. I guess if you're not really a fan of that sport, then maybe that's why. But I, I played uh, F1 World Grand Prix 1 and 2 on the N64. I used to love those games. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I was I was a big fan of The Getaway, which I mentioned briefly when we weren't, well, at a part where we weren't recording, um, which was a, a big release on the PS2. The PS2? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a it was a huge huge release. I don't know if it's cla- if you would class it as a driving game. What 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 would disqualify it? Um, I guess it's well. If you look at it on say Wikipedia, it says it's an action adventure open world game. See, they say oh, about okay. that everything. It's apparently, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it takes place in London, and they mapped out London. Precisely, and I'm pretty sure, and I haven't googled this. I'm pretty sure it's made by a manufacturer that's based up here in the northeast. Potentially, I might have just made that up. Like I might be thinking of somebody else. Tynesoft guys behind Uh, Colin the Cleaner. That's maybe who I'm thinking of. I must be thinking of somebody else. I can't remember, but um, maybe the cleaner was actually Colin McRae. No, I I think I think I might be wrong with the getaway, but um. It'll come to us. It'll be a different game, but um, yeah. I so I, I, I think they were the ones that maybe I would have looked at if um if somebody else had gone for Gran Turismo. But I was fairly confident, given the anti PlayStation bias amongst the rest <laughs> of the Hall of Famers, that nobody was going to go for Gran Turismo. I thought everybody was going to go for it. To be honest, I, especially after my conversation at work today, I thought that was the one everybody seems to love. But I'd like to think that I'm in with a good. Shout. I'd say you are. Yeah, I'd say you are. I think you are. If I was, if I was going to pick my 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 four noms, uh, my shortlist were the the AM2 ones: Virtual Racing, Daytona, and Sega Rally. MSR definitely stands my least chance of of winning than all of them. I do kind of feel now that maybe I should swap it to just go fuck it. Let's go Daytona and see what the uh, <laughs> see what the public say, just to see if we can screw up Rob. And well, that's it. You've got Sega Rally. I think Daytona would be the one that would be most likely to win. I don't know. Ridge Sega Racer. Rally would definitely... Ridge Racer is not Sega. Come on now. I've never Namco. really played a lot of Ridge Racer. The PSP version of Ridge Racer is supposed to be amazing. I've never really played any of the Need for Speed games either, but I know a lot of people love Underground. I thought someone would have chose one of those, one of those uh, PS2 era Need for Speeds that everyone loves. Um, yeah. I just thought of a really cool one that if I'd kind of known in advance that Simpsons was too out there and and Steve was choosing MSR, I could have gone for Motorstorm Apocalypse. Oh, I like the Motorstorm games. What's that? Never heard of it. Like, Motorstorm 1 and 2 are good. Motorstorm Apocalypse is friggin' ace. I mean, it wouldn't have won. It wouldn't have got any votes, but it's super. <laughs> yeah. It had been, it'd been in, on brand as a Simon pick. I mean, I, like, Rob's winning this. Hopefully. Okay, then. Well, seeing as we've both got one in the same wheelhouse, side from the same series... Do we think we should 
makes it up, and despite the fact how long I went, because everything that I said about MSR, you can probably transpose to, I assume, Project Gotham 4. Can't Sounds you? like All that attention to detail. Everything apart from San Francisco, um, which, to be honest, was the crappiest city to drive around anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure San Francisco is amazing, but the, the areas they picked for the game were, were shite. Um, <laughs> just really drab. Yeah, it's not what you would think of when you think of San Francisco. So, um, considering everything that I... Pro- I'm sure pretty much everything I said about MSR could... could be used to back up your choice. I'm thinking maybe of of after all that time of banging on my MSR, um, switching my my nominee at the eleventh hour. Is that allowed, guys? Is that permissible? Uh, so this is some drama that we've not had on the pod before, and I'm here for it. I know it's all fucking kicking off. Yeah, <laughs> Rob's going mental. Steve done lost his mind. All right, okay, do it. So do that it. that makes it between as much as I love virtual racing, it's got to be between Daytona USA and Sega Rally. What do we think, guys? How can we piss off Rob the most? I reckon Daytona's in with the best shout, personally. I, I prefer Sega Rally all day long, but it's your it's your pick, so... I prefer Sega Rally, but I think it, Daytona's a much more popular arcade game. I prefer Sega Rally. Was. Walking into an arcade and seeing a, a line of Daytona seats yeah. next to each other. Seeing 16 of the fuckers hooked up. Yeah. That's a moment that will live on. That is a sight to behold in it. And for that reason alone, I am switching at the 11th hour. I'm allowing my MSR voters, please go with Simon and uh, the rest of you. Um, follow me uh, around Daytona USA. Okay. I'm going for it, lads. There it is. I think we've, I think we've done due diligence to the driving genre. Could probably have another like go of it again in the future, and it would probably have four equally excellent games. We've probably mentioned there's loads of games I've not mentioned. Burnout, love Burnout, especially number three. Obviously, that's that's the the Burnout. I actually really enjoyed that split second game, the one that Disney made. I never got on with Burnout. It's weird. I tried playing one of them the other day. I tried to play Burnout Paradise Remastered, and it hurt my eyes. It's too quick. I'm getting too old for that shit. Um, Destruction Derby is another one. What was the Destruction Derby was class? What was the ones on the PS One called, which was like Destruction Derby? Well, that was that was on that PS1. was Destruction. Derby. No, no, no. no was, um, What's the one with that fucking clown in it? That's what I'm trying to remember. Well, they're, the name they're of the clown combat. Uh, oh, what was that called? It's not. You're not thinking like Carmageddon or something, are you? No, not Carmageddon. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but that they're, they're like oh, Twisted Metal. Twisted Yay, Metal. That's, that's it. the one. Fucking ice cream truck, in it? That was like Destruction Derby, wasn't it? It was more like Carmageddon, I Carmageddon. That's a vehicular combat game. Yeah, like WWE Crush Hour. One of the worst games ever made. Oh, actually, speaking of Driver, somebody mentioned Driver earlier, right? Driver San Francisco. What a game that is. Where you're playing a man who's in a coma, I think. And is basically imagining everything. So what it allows you to do because of his weird state of mind is you can actually levitate magically out of a car and then switch to another car on the fly. So, for example, if you're trying to chase somebody, you can be in your car, you can fly out of the roof of that car, go to like a lorry down the street, make it stop in the middle of the road to block off the guy you're tracing so he crashes into it. And then flip back to the car you were in previously and then just like, you know, arrest him or whatever it is. Really, really unique game with a like funk soundtrack, a proper 70s funk soundtrack. 
if no one, yeah, that's one I thoroughly recommend as a, like a hidden gem Xbox 360 game if you've not played Driver San Francisco because it's awesome. When the series was basically on its knees and dead at that point. But yes, do we have? If we have no more, I think that's time to call it. So now you've listened to this episode, esteemed listeners. Hopefully, by the time you've finished, um, the poll will have gone up on our Twitter account. If not, it will be there in a matter of hours, and if not, by the, the next day, if you're that keen. What you need to do is go to VG underscore HOF on Twitter, find the poll on there, and vote for the game that you want to be in the Hall of Fame. And the list that you have to vote from one more time is OutRun 2, Gran Turismo 2, Project Gotham Racing 4, or Daytona USA. Those are your picks. And I guess that's nothing, there's nothing else to say other than that. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of the show, as always. And until next time, goodbye. Vroom, vroom. Vroom.